Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's going on, everybody? Hope you are having a wonderful week so far. Podcast time. Jody Wistinoff. Many of you will know Jody through his Anjuna Deep um, releases. Uh, through his progressive house career um, and some of you may know him through his way out west days um, and some of you may know him from even before that um, in this podcast we get to go into Jody's history and how it all started for him um, he is a Bristol fellow Bristol artist um, born and bred and still in Bristol which is special um, loved having this conversation with him so without further ado, Jody Wistonoff. Jody Wistonoff, what's cooking, man? Yes, Will. How you doing, geez? Good, mate. How are you? Yeah, nice, mate. Nice. This is a this is sweaty. Yeah, mate. It's pretty warm outside. This is when both of our Somerset accents are going to come out. It's going to be Lover. it's going to be like a proper farmer podcast. Wicked. So, what are you in? Um, are you in Somerset at the moment, then? Yeah, yeah. I'm in near Cheddar. Um, in between. That's... Whereabouts are you? Bristol. Are you are you in yeah. Bristol? Village. We've been here for I'm sort of born in Bristol, but we're still here. It's mental, man. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. What was it like? How how long are you? How old are you? Guess. I don't know, man. Because I know you've been in it for a long time, mate. Yeah, I mean, I could be your dad. Put it that way. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> no, I'm I'm forty eight. Forty eight. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. Damn. Twenty three. So. Yeah, it's really weird, man. It's like, it just sort of, but it take two years off COVID because they didn't really count, did they? So, I know, literally, it was like, years, <laughs> it was, I I was 30 in COVID and then 31. And then when this podcast comes out, it's, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm 32, I was 32 on Monday, just it's gone. Birthday, isn't it? Yeah, 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 just gone. If I was like, I'll give you the bumps if I was. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's mad how um how much time we kind of, just like yeah. evaporated during COVID, right? Completely. And it almost seems like it didn't happen now. It's yeah. like, especially when you go to airports and it's, you know, business as usual, this hecticness. Yeah. Until it's you fun. like have to start doing tests to get into like countries and you're like, oh, for fuck's exactly sake. I that the other day, man. I had to get into New Zealand. So it just felt really weird having to do a test again. Well, <laughs> I, cause I, cause I do so much in the States. I have to yeah. test like every other week just to get in. Cause really? you have to, yeah, because you have to test to go into into America. Not at the moment, I don't think so. I'm, yeah. I, it's my main territory as well, pretty much. But Yeah, you have to test. You have to do a LLFT beforehand. Yeah, it's the easy one, though, isn't it? Yeah, super easy. Up your nose, yeah. Yeah, But it's just, it's so annoying having to test. So annoying. Yeah. I mean, especially if you do test positive and you feel completely fine. You're like, no. Yeah. I guess, like, what... I don't know. I, it's, I, it's not really my place to say, I, but I feel like just fucking go. Fuck it. It's fading, mate. It's, I can give it another six months. This is going to be completely. We won't even think. You know, we'll forget. Hopefully, hopefully, no, man. I, I think. Yeah. I think we need to crack on back to normal. Most anyway, how's it going? Yeah. How's life? 
yeah good man just um just got back from australia a couple of days ago so Oof. got straight into like you know i just like to go into my normal routine when i get home so you know back in the day when i was a bit younger i'd be like oh i've got jet lag another <laughs> day to, to rest it's like oh my head hurts but when you get to the right old age of 48 you just gain this weird strength and you're like right just, i'm up at 7 30 in the morning fucking in the gym just keep going yeah just totally mate well it's you've weird. been doing it for so long you, i'd like to think you're used to it now you do it's weird man you just you do kind of get more used to it yeah like i think about to sort of like you know my early 20s and stuff like that and it was a lot harder man yeah like first started going to the states and stuff i just find it it's like whoa like a six hour flight to or seven hour flight to new york was like wipe me out mm. that's like nothing now I it's mean, you easy isn't it you do it every, every day yeah you, you do it every weekend don't you and it's just like it's, Really, it's, it's, it's a non-issue. So it's, um, it's so weird what we get used to, right? As human beings, and like how, especially us as touring artists, how we get used to traveling. Because, like, I'm sure you, it's the same for me. But I'm sure you have like friends that like you yeah. talk to, and they're like, oh, "I can't believe you're flying to America and you'll be back on Monday." Completely, that you know, it blows their mind. Yeah, and it's like so weird to them, which I understand. It is weird. But it's so strange how we get used to just flying so much. I mean, it just becomes, I actually find it quite a peaceful spot, to be honest, because generally most flights don't have Wi-Fi. I mean, some of the American ones do and stuff, but, mm. you know, it's just a, it's a chance to just kind of do your own thing, really. And what just you- not have to think about all, you know, you, you can just, just communicate with yourself and just sort of go inwards. And it's quite nice, man. Yeah. What do you do on the plane? I do I do a lot of music, actually. I do love you? making It's like, yeah, just more like... Nothing like really intricate, but just more like sort of programming drum beats and stuff like that. Yeah. And just about like soft synths, just like fanning around. Just chilling in like so Some people are really into that and some people are really aren't into it. You know, they're like, you know, I just like, you know, watch box sets when I travel and you know, make <laughs> music you. But I don't know. I, I find it really calming down making tunes. It's just like, it's mellow, man. It's like a form of meditation. Yeah, it depends for me. I have to be in the right mood to write music on a plane. Um, or I have to have like a specific idea that I'm like, I, I know what I need to do and okay. I need to finish this idea that I've got in my head. Gen, gen- yeah, so you're one of those guys that, I bet when you eat, you eat one bit of food each time, don't you? 100%. <laughs> yeah, no, I, for me, like if I've, if I'm going to like a gig and I'm like, I, yeah. I have an idea of an edit that I want to make, yeah, I, I'll make it. Edits are great when you're traveling as well. Yeah. Definitely. You're just sort of like working on your set and you're planning stuff. And then you find like sort little wicked samples and things and stuff. And yeah. I do the loops and, you know, you work on your record box and blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, you know, I, I, I like doing stuff like that. Yeah. And it always like... sounds like shit. But there's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you, which headphones do you, what, do you mean the result or the actual sound on a plane? Well, the result. Like there's always like the bass is always way too high or something. Oh, like oh that. yeah, when you do like a rough mix down on a plane, it's mental. And it's it's terrible. I remember, yeah, I'm like, fuck me, I should not be playing this, but fuck it. it yeah, so exactly. you get a little bit excited, don't you? Like you kind of land in two hours and you're on. You're like, let's bust this. Yeah, let's bang it out. <laughs> I, I, I I use the the Bose noise cancelling ones as well. Yeah, yeah, I like them. I actually mix down. But it's part of the process of mixing down is like checking on those but when i'm at home really you have like the noise cancelling mode on mm. but no noise and i don't know i'm just like so used to how they sound now that yeah it's part of the deal of you know the many pronged attack of a mix sound when mm. you're working in like a home studio and not a box studio where totally. actually like it should, you know? yeah yeah totally <laughs> if you, I mean, if... I'm just real, unless you've got like a studio built from the ground up you are kind of blagging it yeah 
percent. And it's so hard to get the low end right, man. Like mm. it's so good. Well, I think also it's like if you've not got the right studio and you've also probably if you've not got the right studio, you've probably not got the right speakers. And it's like none yeah. of us not everyone can afford fucking twenty grand speakers and not everyone can afford a fucking built into the wall, do you know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> like it's just ridic- it's ridiculous. Wall, yeah, it's like it's not really thinkable, is it? Yeah, but have but, you have you tried the new Apple, the over ear headphones? I've heard about it. Were they talking about that on um, our WhatsApp group the other day? Yeah, I think yeah. One. Yeah, I bought it up. They're fucking great. Okay, wait a minute. So they're like Apple actual headphones that you not the ones. Is that one sec, mate? Can you yeah. can you sit a bit closer to? You? Is your microphone? How's that, mate? That's so much better. Oh shit! Sorry, dude. No, that's fine. It's fine. It's just a bit weird. So I was like. Sounded. Yeah. I was wondering. Um, yeah, they're 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 really good. Mm, I might have to check them. I yeah. might buy a pair for my daughter's birthday and then just just take borrow. Them. <laughs> they're that bloody. They're super expensive though. They're like five hundred quid. Yeah, God, that's quite pricey for like non sort of studio specific headphones, isn't it? Yeah, like they're not like open ear, open air, or something like that. Uh-huh. But like. I'm debating about getting a pair, but the only thing is, is that I know the battery is not going to last as long as the Bose because the Bose ones, I feel like the battery lasts for like ten years. Yeah, totally, man. You charge, and it takes about two seconds to charge up. Isn't yeah, it? it's like you're at a hundred percent. Yeah, man. You it's, it's, with the cables though, because like, um, if you're plugging it in, if you're on a plane and the cable snaps, they're really hard to find. Oh, are they? Yeah, you know, it's funny. It goes from like mini jack to mini, mini, mini jack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Weird thing, man. I've been on tour before. The cable's like buggered. And I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And then you've got to use it like over Bluetooth on your laptop. And there's like a delay. delay when you're doing yeah. That's just not the one, man. I've never, so, yeah. I've touched wood. I've never um, snapped the, the, the cable yet. But my head, my. Next gig, mate. You're it's going to happen in it. Yeah, you can tune yourself out. I need <laughs> to get um, replacement pads, though. Mine are fucked. Yeah. There's a there's a place on um Gloucester Road actually that there's a both shop isn't it on Gloucester the bottom of Gloucester Road mm. they just I think they got them in stock actually really yeah I think Ooh. so or just Amazon isn't it Not yeah Amazon fucking what did we do before Amazon I know Argos well, we had to go to Argos and go through the cat the the book that was it the big <laughs> the big old book <laughs> yeah and um Woolworths and all those things Woolworths <laughs> it's amazing oh, in Australia right. that Woolworths is still around. There is, yeah. In Perth, there's a massive Woolworths. Yeah, it's like their biggest yeah. like shopping they're centre. Really, they're really proud of it as well. <laughs> yeah, all I remember in Woolworths was the pick a mix. <laughs> you used to nick them, just like. No, I was I was always a good kid. I was always a good kid. Yeah. <laughs> Never stole That's anything. Right. I heard you were a good kid. You know, I was chatting to you a while ago, and I said that I met someone like when I was dog walking a couple of years ago that used to babysit you. Who was you know, that? I'm, not, I'm trying to think. Someone, Sally, maybe. Maybe. Because, right, what happened is, like, you know, it's a chance of people uh, said I'm a DJ. She's like, oh, I know a DJ. Oh, he's a babysitter called Will Clark, and he's doing really well now. He's, he's such a good little boy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And I thought, yeah. And I didn't really, so I didn't actually know of you at that time. Yeah. So, I was like, oh, I Googled, like, Bristol Will Clark and stuff like that. And then, ah. Well, because nice. I'm, I'm not really a Bristol boy. Although, no, like. I'm up on your Wikipedia. But, yeah, okay. it says Bristol because it's easy for me to explain where I live. If I try and explain where I live, no one's going to yeah. fucking know where I live. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So totally. Bristol is the closest. I was never part of the Bristol crew. Were you ever part of like the Bristol crew when you were in it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. definitely. Like dying and all that lot. Mm. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. 
what, mean, what was it like? Well, I don't make drum and bass, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Is like Bristol was so drum and bass. Yeah. So absolutely. drum and bass. What was it like growing up for you in Bristol? I mean, yeah, it was it was quite mad, really. I mean, when I was like around like fifteen and stuff like that, when I sort of slowly started to get into things, mm. I just remember my dad and mum and dad would like take me to house parties and stuff. Just like dump me in the corner, like they couldn't be bothered to get a babysitter. So, <laughs> and this is crazy, man. So I was just, like this little kitty. I just kind of starting to get into making beats and stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, I can talk more about all that stuff later, but mm. it was cool, man. Just so I was sort of like, I kind of witnessed the inception of things like, like Massive Attack when mm. they're called the Wild Bunch. You know, I'd mm. just be sat in the corner, me and my little brother. My parents were just getting stoned in the kitchen, you know, and it was like like beeps or like the guy like Grant on the decks and stuff like that. I had my little Kangol hat on trying to blend in. <laughs> mental, man. So, yeah, it was like an interesting kind of, you know, move into, <coughs> bless you, into, you know, what was going on. <clears throat> yeah, I can imagine it being a very, like, especially then, because like you said, it was, it must have been around the Massive Attack, Porter's Head kind of era, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, you know, it was way before that actually happened, really. It was... That kind of came a bit later. Mm. That was like when people, they all start to sort of do really well. Yeah. My era was more um, like Smith and Mighty. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure if you sort of, you used chance to um, Ad Rock, weren't you? Yeah. You like, no, like, no. You know, uh, with who? Adam. Oh, yeah, Adam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Adam called him Ad I think that was his hip hop name years ago. Was that his hip hop name? Yeah, he, took, he stole it from the Beastie Boys, Ad Rock. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's I don't. Yeah, totally. What's his DJ name again now? Got um, some. Got some. Yeah, that's the kitty. Yeah, but um, yeah. Like I watched your one talking to him, and he's sort of like he's talking about that. So are you guys lot. the same era? No, he's a bit younger than me. Yeah, yeah. He was really good friends with Diane all that lot. So yeah. he was sort of like skating with Diane, going to all these kind of things. And mm. I was a li- always a little bit on the outside because mm. I was just a bit more. I was a bit of a loner to be honest. When I was here, I was just really into making music. And yeah wasn't i was into skating but i wasn't that good at it <laughs> I'm, too, I'm tall you know what i mean my center of balance is a bit yeah i, I had a longboard so i could cruise around yeah yeah i, I just couldn't bust like i couldn't do ollies i couldn't do flip trips <laughs> i can't even say it <laughs> you know what i mean but i just i don't know man so I, I wasn't sort of like one of those kind of cool kids that was hanging out on college green and yeah blah, blah, blah. but i was kind of because i was like a rave dj at that point but you know yeah. what i mean so, i've never met Di. Have you not? No, I've never yeah. met him. Mental. You should get him on, actually. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to get him on. Yeah. I um, I love his music so much. It's ridiculous. Yeah, well, at the moment, he, yeah, definitely. His Watch the Ride stuff seems to be... What's that? Good. I've not... I've not... I've not followed um, it's any called Watch, It's like it's a new project called Watch the Ride. Yeah. But I think they got some, like good radio one support like, at the moment, so... That's dope. Yeah, man. It's yeah, nice I need to check that cool. out. So, yeah. let's go back. I want to go back to Bristol back in the day. Um, I think people are really interested because Bristol's such a it's such a wild city because it's got such a good reputation as well. It's insane reputation for what more than you realise actually when you actually talk to people. I know. Lauren Garnier was like just gushing about it the other day. Yeah, and it's like there's it's such a it's such an interesting city because it's a very metropolitan city. It's very it's you've got like a business side of it. Yep, you've got. A bougie side of it. You've got, <laughs> a, a, you've got a pikey side of it. You've yeah, got, dog, yeah. you've got like, you've got everything in one city, but it's also so small at the same time. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah totally. You and like, you can walk everywhere. Really, yeah, yeah. like, it's just this city that's like a hot pot of like 
every different culture. You've got like huge Amen. Somalian community. You have a huge Jamaican community. You have yeah. a huge yeah. Pakistani community. And, yeah. And then you have like Bristolians, if you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Yummy lover. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's just the art that comes from it is fucking mental. Yeah, totally, man. Um, it's, just, it's, it's just like, I mean, I think a lot of it's down to the fact that it used to be a slave port, didn't it? Mm, like yeah. the whole kind of, um, if you go down to um, like the underneath the suspension bridge yeah. on the, the Portland, like port, what's that main, like most way-ish kind of area yeah, again? Yeah. Port, I the portway. P- portway, yeah. And there's these mad like structures that are still left there, these wooden structures. Mm. And I'm sure, you know, that was like docking places for the, for the, you know, for the slave trade and stuff like that. And they mm. just left this stuff there. It's like, it's quite creepy, really. But, there's, um, there's a lot of history. There's yeah, a lot of history. Lot of naughty history as well, isn't it? I mean, the whole Colston thing. and It's it's really bad, obviously, but I think it's also what's made us today. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, th- like the West Indian influx, that, that's, a lot of people say that's one of the main reasons, you know, the, the whole reggae influence, the baseline exactly. thing. Exactly. You know, it's wrong, man. That's, and that's leaked into pretty much everything that comes out of Bristol in some way or another. Pretty much. You know, the housier stuff is quite, you know, kind Dubby. of... Yeah, it pays respect to all that kind of stuff. Well, I think for me, and this is where it kind of linked in for my career, is like with, with, like I initially signed to Dirty Bird. And that's That's when I first heard about you. Yeah, and that that kind of came through like Eats Everything, obviously. And then Barkley from Claw Von Stroke and Justin Martin, and they were all making like drum and bass. And like the San Francisco, the relationship between San Francisco and Bristol were kind of similar where... Yes. There was like a crew in San Fran making drum and bass and house music. And then it was kind of everyone from Bristol was like making drum and bass, but also wanted to yeah. make house music. And then they were making hard style and it just kind of like emerged into one thing. Yeah, massively. I mean, it's completely what happens, you know. And if you look at San Fran, people like Justin Martin, I still think he's absolutely amazing. Mm. Oh my God, yeah. Dude, his stuff's, his stuff's ridiculous. A track on um, Instagram the other day, mm. and I really want to get it. <laughs> it's like, uh, you, know, you know, there's something that he's just made, and he's not going to put out for about three years. And it's like, uh, but you know, we're all guilty of doing that, aren't we? We do little teasers yeah. of our own tracks that we're really happy about, and then you can imagine us. Like, oh, I want that. Sorry, mate. <laughs> I was talking to him a couple of months ago. In fact, it's probably yeah. longer than a couple of months ago. Yeah, um, I was in San Fran, and mm-hmm. we both played a, a two parties, a different party that night, but we um he was he's like a more of an album artist i, I would class now like he okay. releases a lot more yeah like his albums yeah. are much more what justin is yeah a lot of substance into it which is mad get can you remember yeah. his, his ghettos and gardens album yeah yeah so that's 10 years now it's mad isn't it that's it's so weird but yeah he was saying that he was take into account COVID. <laughs> yeah literally <laughs> um but he was he, he was saying where he he'd wrote a whole new album and then he's just like scrapped it because he's like I'm well, just recently gonna, that's, that's what you said recently yeah yeah, yeah he's just I right. mean, that's quite a fair play thing to say because mm. i think a lot of people have done i think a lot of people wrote loads of material during covid and yeah. then realized it wasn't quite you know because their heads were a little bit scrambled and mm. stuff like that yeah so, how about you yeah, I wrote loads of stuff that I thought was brilliant at the time. And, and, and I've had to like either revisit it or scrap it. But some things then I still think of, you know, definitely yeah. solid. But, um, you know, it's just, I'll shout out to, do you know um, Cuba Color or 16 bit liters? He's no. like, so he's um, one of 
like one of our artists around Gina Deep. Mm. But he's like a genius. I mean, he's him and um, his partner got like a studio on a boat in Amsterdam. Okay. Um, with like 10 cats on it or something like that. Like, <laughs> kind of proper like hermits, do you know what I mean? But high level, they got a proper SSL desk in there. They build wow. speakers. They're both, they're both like electricians as well. So, mm. you know, highly intelligent guys, whatever. But yeah, he was saying they wrote 400 tracks, like during like lockdown, but just picked like 10 or 15 that are good. 400? Yeah, I know. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> That's like so, more than one a day. Yeah, I know. That's just, he is a fast worker, though. Like, he is one of those guys that can do a track in one day. And I don't, some people can do that. They wake up in the morning and they work through the day mm. and they finish track at the end of the day. I do, in some way, and, and if they're absolute bombs, it's like, you motherfucker. I, I can mean, do it I'm sometimes. My life. <laughs> I can I can do it sometimes, but it's really the whole thing. Some, to yeah. be fair, yeah. actually, some of my biggest records have been one like one day or three hours. Wow! Well, I suppose when the magic just comes, yeah, you know, it just you happens. Just, yeah, you're just like touched. By... But I feel like the thing with your records, your records are a lot more melodic, and it kind of it feels like more thoughts gone into them. Yeah. That's what yeah. it feels like from from an outside perspective. Yeah, just a lot of fucking around. <laughs> but yeah, I th- do you know what? I think a lot of that's to do with we come from the days of um, everything was different technology-wise. Yeah. And the best thing that you had really was samplers. You yeah. know, we come from a sample culture mm. where it was, and we didn't, you know, it wasn't like since there was no such thing as soft since, you know, it was hardware since, mm. and you might have had one or two or three, you know, like maybe a Juno 106, yeah. an SH-101. Um, and then like the rompers started coming in, but the sampler was the main thing. Yeah. And that was where the whole drum and bass vibe comes from. But that's also where we were at as well as when, you know, me by myself and then with Nick and stuff like that. Yeah. So we were really into like sound collage and just being really meticulous about mm. how you use the 10 seconds or whatever that you've got in a sampler yeah. to match the effect. So it wasn't, it was all about more is more. We weren't thinking in any kind of minimalistic way yeah, at all. Yeah. We were already limited massively. Yeah. By the technology. So, and that's where it was all about layering and most and just trying to build things up and getting as complex as possible, I suppose, you know, in a, in a, in a way. You know? Yeah, I guess so. So with, I want to go back to, I want to go to the start yeah. of your career stuff. Yeah, yeah sure. Man. Um, did it, did you start as Jody Wissenhoff or did you start with Nick with Way Out West? Um, I started as Earthman Jam and Jay. Yes. <laughs> You're right. I was 15, right? I was at school. Um, I borrowed the four track. There's like, you know, remember four track? Yeah, Take yeah. So in the music department at school, they had one of those. So I was like, that's cool. That's pretty cool that um, they had that. Yeah, it's right. I went to St. Well, actually, you're not fully from Bristol. So no. I went to St. Anyway, St. Catherine's for any okay. people. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And I was like, blah, blah, blah. I was really a bit of a keynote at school as well. I was, mm. doing, I was doing pretty well. So, but I was also suddenly, I was a bit of a geek, but suddenly really into this cool music. But yeah. You know, so I had this weird sort of double vibe going on. But anyway, so yeah, I started sort of making music. Um, got given like a Casio CZ1000 from a friend of my dad's when mm. I was about around that kind of age. Mm. Like, wow, that was like, holy shit. Yeah. Me, this is a synthesizer. This is fun. Um, found, a, you can believe this, found an 808 in a drum shop in Bristol um, near um, 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 Cabot. What's it called? What's that? Jacob's Wells Road. There's okay. a music shop yeah, down yeah. there. Yeah. 100 quid, right? Jesus. Fucking like AKA. And I didn't even know what it was. It was like this black box with like colored buttons on it. And um, I heard the sound and because I was into like Run DMC, Mantronics. Mm, yeah. Um, you know, these kind of early 
you know, the Beastie Boys. Yeah. Uh, this, there's a certain kind of drum sound that they all were using, mm. like the, the 808 rim shot and 808 snare and this big round bass drum. And yeah. they've been just such weird sounds. Just the most unusual drum sound you've ever heard, but ever, they're all using it. And yeah. I'm really, really, it just turned me on, you know. I went from just like not really being into music to hearing Loving this. And yeah, yeah. Fascinating. You know what I mean? So, and then I found the machine. For like, 100 what? quid as well. But yeah, I mean, and it was like, so yeah, I said to my dad, you know, can I borrow 100 quid? I need this. Like, give it to me. And it was like, yeah, man. So suddenly I had an 808. I didn't even know how the value of it. It was just, you know, a funny sounding beatbox. Yeah. You know, so. Do you still have it? Yeah. So my dad got it for me. So suddenly I had like a Casio keyboard, a four track drum machine, had one Technics, like not even a Technics deck, I had like a belt drive deck. Yeah, yeah. I had one, put, I just put grease paper on it so you could scratch. Because otherwise it would just, you couldn't. It's just yeah, yeah. Belt drive. You know, that's, I think that's how a lot of people started anyway. Like, you know, just Technics were like two or three grand. Yeah, they were so expensive. Oh, they still are expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably more expensive now. They're so expensive now. Yeah, man. But um, so that was it. I just used to, you know, just cut up like breaks and stuff on my dad's, Cross the odd deck with a mixer turned to the side, so the crossfader went that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. So were you making hip hop then? Yeah. yeah. When I was fifteen, I was like getting into hip hop. That's that was what was kind of the thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Were you and rapping as well? I heard house and I hated it. Really? Um, I remember going to you know stuff like hanging out. My dad taking me places. It used to be a place um, where they had like two decks. Um, Dom, have you heard of Dom Thrap? No. Um, so as a producer, they were called the Two Bad Crew at this oh, time. Okay, yeah, like yeah. Friends, friends of Massive Attack, or yeah. they were called the Wild Bunch. And they were all like, you know, the same crew. They used to yeah. play at the Dugout, which is like a famous club in Bristol yeah. on, near Park Street. Yeah. And anyway, that's like, their, that was their kind of scene then. Mm. But I, I clearly remember, right? I was about 15-ish, and um, Dom played me house music. Like, this is late 80s, and mm. he played some Fargo house to me. I thought it was awful. <laughs> I was just so disappointed. He said, "He said, listen, Jody, this is the future. Yeah, this is the future of dance music." And it was like, um, God, it was just the worst thing I'd ever heard. We had, you know, it was like a seven oh seven kick drum and you know thin claps and this dodgy geezer singing and like, thin. yeah. But it's probably an absolute classic, you know. It's probably like one of the. It's probably like Frankie Knuckles like, or something like that. It was, yeah. yeah. It was <laughs> you know, just a, a fine specimen of um you know vintage chicago house music but so yeah so i'd experienced house at that point and really was not feeling it <laughs> it's funny how ch- how our like tastes change over the years though right it, yeah i mean really is why do you think that is why do you think they change do you think it's like more like mm. peer pressure not peer pressure but like our surroundings i, I really hope maybe it's I think house music improved greatly though. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what Cuz I didn't I didn't like drum and bass growing up. I right. I I but I think it was more of like a rebellion thing because all my mates listened to it. Yeah, so you were going against the I was, and I was just like no, I can't listen to this shit. But it was when like for me growing up it was when like it was pendulum and tranchula and all of that. Right, yeah. And that's I when drum had gone all a bit weird to me to be honest. Yeah, was, and I, it wasn't I, really for me. And I, yeah, I'm, I I'm not surprised. I hadn't really dug into like the jungle side yeah, of it. Yeah, the good shit. Yeah, good I bet stuff. you have that. I bet you've like gone way fucking deep. Yeah, I love drum and bass. I love oh, it. Incredible. Like mid midnight is drum and bass. Oh, it's called like jungle techno. Mm. And it became you know drum and bass at some point, but yeah. when it was still jungle, I mean the early book and stuff. So good. Oh my god. I mean, I've got all the records here. Just really. 
I, I just don't listen to them every day, obviously. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, if, you know, it's just, it's this constant source of, you know, inspiration, man. So how did it go from, yeah, right, hip hop, right, hip hop to then, yeah, I just, um, God, what, yeah. So I suppose I put a record out. That's what that's what kind of gave me some real mm. um, confidence, and that was the hip hop stuff. That's yeah. when I was still. Then it was me and my little brother, right? We were called. When I stopped being called Earthman Jam and Jay because I thought that was. <laughs> you should bring that back. That's such a good name. <laughs> Die always ribs me. Die still calls me Earthman. So my little brother was a rapper. He was called MC LR, MC Little Rapper. Yeah. He was only 10 at the time or 11. <laughs> um, yeah. So we were like making tapes at school. And I think I've got Yeah. Oh, no way yeah see that's so good that photo is epic there is it got my little cool hat on <laughs> that's 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 gotta be an album cover no it's not gonna be an album it's cover. gotta be an album cover <laughs> this is the one time <laughs> but yeah i was selling them at school and you know sold them for like a fiver each and it's mad like, probably sold like 20 or 30 mm. most of them dad's friends as well but yeah but then smith and mighty me and my dad used to sell weed too like this guy playing there. That's he was just like a old head, do you know what I mean? And yeah. people coming over and just hanging out in the kitchen. And um, you know, he's a really social character, bit yeah. of a kind of around town. And um, so yeah, he knew Smith and Mighty really well. And um he gave him a tape of like one of his tapes and Smith and Mighty were like, Yeah, invited me and my brother into the studio, um, which is quite mad. And that was down in St. Paul's, a really famous um, spot where Fresh Four, Wishing on a Star was made. Yeah. Died, lived there for like, he was living there for about four years. Wow. Um, that's where Robin Ray were just making all their like classics, like mm. anyone um, wishing on this time and all this, you know, just the blueprint, the blueprint of the Bristol sound. This yeah, is before yeah. my attack got big. Yeah. Smith and Marty were bigger. Yeah. But they just never took it any further because mm. they didn't want it because they were just too low key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, they, and they were like as cool as you could get. Three strike records was the Don Lady. Yeah, I've, I don't know any of their stuff. Yeah, man. I'll send you some links. Please, some man. I'd love to. Because this is like the, the kind of genesis of what became the famous Bristol Sound. Yeah. And that all came about five to ten years later. Than oh, really? Yeah. When, you know, Cochin and Portishead and Tricky became massive. Smith and Mighty had done all this stuff. They'd been signed to London Records. You know, they almost became famous and big, but they yeah. just didn't want it. And it just didn't work and they just sort of chilled again and started doing drum and bass and it's interesting how artists do that right because there's been a like there's been a bunch of artists that for me in like in my era like breach was one of the ben west beach yeah 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 totally he was like he's he's super insane producer like he obviously had his like massive hit on dirty bird actually yeah, did, didn't yeah. yeah and then he had like i take it he had the opportunity i don't know him. i've met him a couple of times but i don't know him personally but i, I take sure. i take it he had the opportunity to go big and no. he just yeah. decided not to that's interesting isn't it maybe yeah i think he, he probably calculated the yeah. risk benefit the risk you know um damage control like if you become if you give up too much of yourself then mm. life's gonna change too much you know, he seemed like quite a kind of chill guy. Yeah. So maybe he just thought, nah, I'm just going to dip it down a bit and chill. Yeah, man. Could yeah, be, it's, 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 Who knows? What would you do? I mean, you'd go for it, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. If, yeah. If I, if I, 
the thing is, I don't want any more work than I've got at the moment. So I'm perfectly, I've suddenly got to a point where I'm just perfectly happy. You with, had a very know, fucking successful career though. It's been mental. I mean, in the mid, you know, we're kind of jumping around yeah. sort of tight scales here. But there was a point when we're at West, we're just like, sort of like proper name remixes in the UK. It's bonkers, man. I remember was- the first time I saw Way Out West. Yeah. When I was, <laughs> I was, it was at Glastonbury. They're mental, man. Um, I came and watched you guys when I was, fuck, I must have been 14. Wicked. Was the beard almost as long? Yeah, it was pretty long then. Yeah, man. <laughs> I came oh, out I like really, this. I really want to see you without a beard, just out of curiosity. I'll I'm send you a picture. Like. I'll send you a there's definitely I'll send you a picture. There's there's ones floating about. But I yeah, yeah. I remember and did you guys do like a DJ Mag mix? Um, like a CD or something. Um so D, there was a Annie Nightingale mix that was did really well on Radio One, but I don't think we did a. We might have done some magazine things. It was some. I, it was another way out west something. Um, okay. And I remember okay. listening to that as a kid. There was a bonus. There was a DJ mix. It was like the bonus CD for our third album, I think. Maybe so that was it. Might be that. But I remember listening to that religiously. Um, it is, dude. <laughs> which is it's weird, right? Like how careers move on and and go, but. How, yeah. how did the way out west thing start yeah so that came i mean that came quite a lot after the kind of should i just quickly talk really quickly about yeah. what happened after because i went basically do that what thing happened put out a record blah 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 got like confidence enough to think this could actually be something still at school blah blah mm. blah, blah you know let's sort of pottering along and then um the rave thing was kind of went from hip hop to like early house like actually made a record and first house record i made was with die yeah under the name of true funk so we became true funk at that point okay then changed my name to dj joey d that's <laughs> <laughs> so, getting closer to jody in it yeah so <laughs> joey d that sounds like the guy from um yeah what's his joey name deacon. joey deacon no the the guy from what's his name <laughs> the jersey shore that's right that's not too bad yeah <laughs> i mean it's still pretty bad isn't it yeah no, but there's a guy called, like a handicapped guy called Joey Deacon, who was on um, Tomorrow's World. And, oh, um, was I, there? I, yeah, and so I basically got the piss take out of me. <laughs> Joey Deacon. So that was a bad move as well. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, so that didn't stick for too long. <laughs> but but that, you know, that was for a minute. Um, and that was me and Di. And my brother was in Truth on as well for a bit. Mm. But that's when we transitioned from like hip hop to house before Rave. So this is 1991. Yeah. No, no, 1990, sorry. And we put out a record called 4AM. Yeah. Which was mental. So we went to, it was like a bit of a copy of 808 Pacific State. Kind yeah. of thing. That, that was the template at that point. You know, guy called Gerald's, yeah. Voodoo, um, Warp Records, mm-hmm. all those kind of early UK kind of minimal English techno. Yeah, kind yeah, of, probably, you know, yeah. That had bass lines creeping in, but were still... You know, like the English before breaks. This is like when yeah. it was still more more formal chemical. But yeah, so we made this track called Four AM, which um, is mental. So we went to London with Smith and Mighty, and Di came along, and Peter D Rose. Do you know? No, you I don't. He's like he's like um more rockers. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. That's his base name. So yeah, he was yeah. part of that group as well. So we all like bombed up to Sam. I think it's Sam West Studios. Yeah, like a proper SSL. So I was, my mind was blown. I was like, oh my god, yeah, I can't I believe it. You know going to make a proper record in a real studio so took along my 808 like Casio keyboard went out there properly made a record I love that it's a day out 
Yeah, it was a man night as well. Yeah, I love yeah, that. It's like night. I love that. That's what it used to be like, where you would like yeah, it was probably yeah. yeah. Get on a, we got on the train. We went down to Temple Meads and literally got on the train to London. It was a, like a nice day out to go to the studio. <laughs> Whereas, like now, we just literally open our laptops and it's like fucking here we I go. Know, know, studio. Even if you're collabing with someone, you pretty much don't generally actually work with them, do you? Do you like that? I I don't like doing that. I've never I've never done it apart from with Nick, who I was obviously doing it with all the time. I've never collabed with someone in the flesh. Have you not? No, apart from with Nick, like as I said, so I I, I nearly all my collabs that I've released. Uh, yeah, no, that's flesh. that's actually a lie thinking about yeah. it now but yeah. most most of them i've done something in the flesh with them wicked i think that's the best way to do it i have to i can't yeah. you, you want to get on a like an energy level with someone yeah. yeah even if like i don't mind traveling i'd drive somewhere i'll, I'll fly yeah. somewhere if i have to because i'm just like yeah man. for me like making music so personal yeah and it's like i don't want to write a record that like when we're in two different rooms we're completely two different vibes like yeah. that person for me like that person might have had a shitty morning yeah and like i might have not, had the best morning of my life and i'm yeah. going in yeah it's really it's really true actually yeah i'm it's it's really important to me to like get in a vibe with people similar thing with um doing guest vocals as well mm. which it's an issue you know because i used to always have the singer come to the studio and yeah. we'd do it together but lately, I'd say the past 10, 15 years, it's just been sending them the track. And really? They, yeah. And then they work on it and they, or you send it to like 10 different vocalists and then yeah. you pick out the best one, you know, and then obviously you, you can talk, you can work together again, but it's just the practicalities of what we do and being away most weekends and traveling a shitload and blah, 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 you know? And having but, family and what needing to be more yeah. like efficient. hundred yeah. percent. I mean, there's so much to do mm. in life, right? And so... It's yeah, it's funny. Out. It's funny that I was literally, I just had a podcast right before this and yeah. I, we were literally talking about that same thing of like how you juggle so much, man. We're juggling so much, but, and realistically for me, I don't know about you, but like music takes a mat, like making music takes a massive back seat sometimes yeah. and it, it, sh- and it shouldn't. No, it should, it should be at the forefront. Yeah. Like you literally, sometimes you just got to slip it in when you get a moment. It's crazy. Isn't it? Yeah. Which is, yeah. It, I'm trying to change that trying to change yeah. that i mean luckily you haven't got loads of kids yet and stuff so <laughs> I, I don't plan to have kids personally as well so that's yeah, the one it's thing not up to you, mate. it's up to the woman who you will meet who will say i want little wills <laughs> no fucking choice in the matter yeah i guess so they Let's always win it. don't they <laughs> fucking women yeah, <laughs> love no, them mate, to bits fucking, it's fucking awesome having kids though. like yeah. i've got 13 year old girl 10 year old boy it's just vibes. It really is interesting. Yeah, I'm. I've got niece and nephews, and they're great for yeah, like an, do that. for like an hour. Put some hand and back, hand and back for like an hour. They're great, and then they can piss off back. You're young, though, mate. You know, you're not. You're not supposed to be understanding. I don't know. I'm not that young now. I'm 32 now. Actually, yeah, true. Like, I, when I was 35, that's when we had our first. Yeah, yeah. she got pregnant when I was 35. So, yeah, yeah. A lot of my mates have got kids as well a lot like or having like second kids and like oh yeah, yeah, yeah a lot of them i'm still just this yeah, but you bounce around where you live don't you you live in detroit for half that's the tough thing i think you were there yeah like right. having a relation how did you find that i know we're, we're going around all over the place but like yeah this is the most uncoherent <laughs> it doesn't matter but that's all right but like when you met your wife yeah. or miss yeah, yeah. girlfriend yeah. like how was that with the whole touring thing um, yeah, I mean, 
so it was actually the mill in the year 2000, 2000. so we were for like 22 years so Damn. yeah um, she used to come to a lot of a lot of events yeah it's about american now don't i <laughs> um so but it's always a tricky one yeah. definitely there's there's trust issues there's jealousy there's yeah. missing each other there's all sorts of things mm. it's really quite hard yeah because you know? that's the thing is we're always away right yeah man yeah i mean it's just it's quite intense really and then if you've got like kids as well you just kind of feel a bit of guilt for being away yeah but then then you balance it up with the fact that when you're at home you're there you're more present all the time yeah you know, we're there, yeah we're there for them instead of being like a guy that goes to the office in the morning and yeah. comes back moody and knackered in the evening you know yeah, we yeah. come back on a monday or tuesday buzzing really yeah, happy yeah. because we've just been rocking it and then you're, you're giving them you know good energy i oh, suppose yeah, yeah. so in, i think it balances out more in that direction that than makes sense intentional dude who's got a job we, we might like but might not like and realistically we can we can choose our own schedule if we really want. Yeah, yeah, take mate. Like, so how are you, like, do you, like, schedule-wise, do you take weekends off or at the moment or are you just letting it all... I don't, in? I don't really, I, I don't take holidays. Yeah. I don't go away on holiday. Um, yeah. And I don't really take right. weekends off. Yeah, I, Where do you live again? She no, not No, I live near Cheddar. That's a bit of holiday anyway. Being yeah, there. It's, it's pretty beautiful here. <laughs> yeah, good um, cheese. Solid cheese, mate. <laughs> solid cheese. Um, yeah. But like I, like say for instance, this, when this podcast is out next week isn't next week, but this when yeah. like as of next week, like yes. I'm taking two weeks out to write. Okay, fair enough. So I'm doing like two weeks in London just writing with loads of people. Wicked. Um, but... Yeah, yeah. That I don't really take time off. To be fair, yeah, man. I don't. Were yeah. you ever like that? No, I, I was like always not having enough gigs. Yeah, <laughs> always, and like having time off, not wanting it. You know, yeah. up until I'd say up until like the last two or three years, really. Mm. And just recently, it's like it's just gone mentally. You know, it's brilliant. It's like it's, you know, when the Way Out West thing was big, obviously I was more into like remixing and stuff, so yeah. I didn't need to be DJing, and the yeah. fees. Were, really good back in the day because yeah, yeah. the internet didn't exist and <laughs> people were selling records yeah so that was a different thing but you know sort of a bit further on when there was there was definitely a time period where it was you know we were all struggling i think mm. yeah, a lot yeah. That had been either quite big at one point and then it dips there was like a kind of a recession a dance music recession definitely well i think yeah. it's happened now with covid i think yeah. i think what's happened now is that people that had success before COVID yeah. and kind of, I have my theories of reasons why, but coming out of COVID aren't yeah. as successful. It's right. kind of the similar situation. And there, there's people that are, that are a lot more successful now that were before COVID nothing. Right. Um, yeah. And I think that's just the, the way the industry goes, right? Some people mm. have their time. Some people don't have their time. You had your way out West type days and it was solid. Yeah. And then, that yeah. dips we all have peaks and troughs we can't always be at the fucking top yeah um, some people might just have a peak and then it goes that down you know and then it's you're quite lucky to go up again sometimes i think mm, yeah yeah that can that's the kind of you know that's the risky thing about having well especially if you have too much success too quickly mm. it's it must be it must be quite hard to like maintain that if you have like a massively big record yeah you don't make the right moves to follow up 
I think that's some shit. That's what I think it's all about. Yeah, I think it's um I, I don't know. I've never experienced it because I've never had yeah. a record. I've never had a hit record. Never have a hit record. It'll ruin you. <laughs> yeah, this is the thing. Is like we constantly trying to make something bigger and better, and you and become so self-critical, and it'll just be harsh. But I so, do you not find that yourself now, just generally. What what being self-critical and stuff? On yeah, like just trying to like like uh, you'll have one record, and then you're like, well, it didn't do as well as that record. I don't think about. I don't personally. I don't care how well things do. I, really, because. Not really. Um, I'm not because I've never made music with the intention of it selling. Mm. I know it sounds weird, but it's just it's not my motivation. Yeah. To, I don't check really to because you know once something's out anyway, and if yeah. you copy it, then you're just you're sheep, aren't you? Really. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I, I gauge sort of the success level in more of a kind of a slow burn, really, mm. as opposed to like kind of trying to jump in there and like bump it up mm. do you know what I mean? it's quite hard to explain but try and explain i think people need to yeah. hear this <laughs> um you know like i think so for example like you know i've put out a few of the singles under my own name like i say the bridge star strings cold drink hot girl you know i kind of they were like i think they were big but they were never massive mm. but they were big enough to just keep things the accumulative effects, I think, yeah, in a yeah. way, of yeah. just putting out records that kind of have a bit of a sort of, you know, I'm not being arrogant, but a bit of a timeless quality. Like, yeah. they kind of sound good now. And they, well, they, you know, they sound as good in a way as they did when they 10 were. years ago. Yeah, yeah. Like, the musical integrity and the fact that they're not focused on a certain, you know, like, time of a fashion, fashionable mm. sound at that time. Yeah. Kind of thing. I think that's my kind of strategy, really. Just mm. to, just to, keep it kind of smooth and timeless music yeah i suppose i and guess then, over the years you've seen everything go up and down right yeah, and yeah i and, mean I've, yeah i've seen progressive house go so out of fashion it's untrue and, and now, now it's, it's fashionable like, again yeah, um, it's a horrible term and it's stuff that is sold as progressive house isn't really what it is but this i think that's what they call is it melodic techno now mate <laughs> i don't fuck i whatever they're putting out as melodic techno is definitely trance if yeah, you ask yeah. me um but i i i totally i think what i think you're onto something there where you said like you're just putting out trying to make timeless records because yeah, i think yeah. releasing a record that isn't fitting in a lane or in a sound or on a for a certain label or for whatever reason yeah. like for a commercial success yeah. And I mean commercial success in any any way. Like it doesn't have to be a fucking hit. It, I mean commercial success meaning you're going to make money out of it because it's on something that's popular. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's really interesting. Mm. Like because I think yeah, if you can stick to something, if you can stick to a sound. Yeah. or you can evolve your sound into something that you love and you can stand by for the whole of your career. Yeah. You keep saying name. This is quite an unusual thing to do. Yeah. And not many people can, can get away with that. Like, mm. I think a lot of people change their, their um, they, become, they come up with like a pseudonym yeah. or, you know, an, alter, an alternative ego yeah. to accommodate this slightly different sound that they're doing. Mm. And for some really weird reason, I've managed to not have to do that. So I can do different, you know, I can do go really heavy on the break stuff. Yeah. 
just do that for you know a while and, mm. and then go back to the four four stuff and you know then and it, and it all seems for some weird reason to be acceptable under my my own name as opposed to why do you think that is i'm not sure maybe maybe it's just because i've been doing it for so long and it's just the general accumulative effect of stuff i did with Wild west as well maybe yeah. but i'm not sure really it's maybe i'm just Blagging it. <laughs> Who knows, mate? Who but knows? I, I think it's really interesting, though, because you've obviously seen it through the years as well, is because you've had such a, a healthy career and a long career in, in music, is that you gain fans that don't necessarily even know your old stuff. Yeah. And like, really nice when that happens as well. Like, how many of your new fans actually know Way Out West? And I don't yeah, mean that I, in a disrespectful I, way. I'd say maybe 10%. Exactly, which is fucking mental. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally goose. Because another thing that's amazing as well is when people don't know who you are sometimes, mm. and like, you know, they kind of, or they don't. If you're, you know, if you're in a club and they don't know you're the DJ or something like that, then they still like it and they're not doing it just because. Yeah, they're there for that reason. That's I'm sure that happens to you as well sometimes, where you know it's kind of like it's just what you're actually doing carries the weight, not yeah, the, yeah. the you know the um, reputation of your name and what you've done in the past. Mm, it's that, great that. that that's a very good feeling well it yeah, happened yeah. to me with nick during covid i was i was at uh um i was at the true valley lakes with the uh, i don't know if you've been out there with the um who is it who does the big um spider at uh glass oh, yeah, yeah yeah okay um what was it called again i know exactly what you mean the one you can stand underneath yeah uh, uh, Arcadia, yeah. So they have these like um, trucks near Chew Valley Lakes where they've like turned into camp campsites. Yeah. And I was there with Ed, um, yeah, yeah, with cool. Ed and all of that, and he had a bit of a party there. Nice, nice. And I was sat on the sofa, yeah. just talking to this dude. Like, <laughs> we were literally just talking. Like, no, didn't ha- we both didn't have a clue who each other were. Oh, nice. <laughs> and and it was Nick, and I was like, fuck me, it's Nick. Um, (laughs) and it's just amazing how you can talk to somebody and not have like, you're not going in going, Oh, this is Nick from where there's no preconception is there? Yeah. Like there's no fanboying or anything like that. No, it's 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 nothing. Yeah. Yeah, That's the good shit though. When it's like that. And it's, I think we can come across that in the clubs as well. And when we're meeting people, right. And yeah. people don't know who I am. That's the most important thing for me. Is I don't want, yeah. I don't know about yeah. you, but when I go into a club, I go into the club thinking nobody knows who I am and I have to win them over. Yeah, completely. Right. That's the best mentality. Cause then you're, you're kind of, you're crispy. You know what yeah. I mean? You're not complacent. You know, you're there to communicate with people and just, a similar thing. I think it's really important to make the crowd the, the crowd feel mm. comfortable in your presence. Yeah. Instead of you know, so you have to kind of give them body language that makes them feel that you're there. chill, okay, yeah. and then they give it back to you. And if, if it's off in either way, then you know it can be a tricky one, can't it? Yeah, yeah, totally. So much down to like psychology, I think, when it comes to making a room feel comfortable and just getting on the same level as them. Yeah, I agree. It's not all about just turning up and playing yeah, the biggest out. smashes yeah, no, it's, yeah i mean most of it's about the music but yeah. i think there's definitely and that's something that you learn through experience you yeah, know yeah totally. that's something that people that just suddenly have a hit record and then they're young they've got to dj mm. you know blah blah blah, 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 blah and this is that's the tricky one yeah you know, this only comes with time totally. you can't 
you can't teach this shit, I don't think. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, okay, let's go back a little bit. Um, yeah, okay. yeah, we're going all over the shop. Let's, let's go back to... So... Yes. So we talked about the, the 4am thing. That's then started doing, started doing rave music, basically. Yeah. So that was, that was Sub Love, right? Which was... That was me and Dai and um, a few other people yeah. occasionally. Um, I was working in Replay Records at that point. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember Replay? Yeah, I remember Replay. Yeah. Um, and then I got the sack because I was really bad at selling anything that wasn't raved. <laughs> yeah, I was, the, I was the worst, most unemployable record salesman in the world. I'm so bad. Why? Like, we people just... would come in and try to buy like Jamaica and things like that. And I was like, no, you don't want that. You want this. <laughs> so I was like, like, them the new Top Buzz track, you know, and like, yeah. It was like, oh, I was unable to, I was un- unemployable, basically. Replay was an institution in Bristol. But yeah, it was good shit, man. Yeah, it was. It was. Like, just one, the time when it was not on Park Street, this is beforehand, when it was in, by the bus station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I in remember. the underpass. Yeah. So, yeah, so just kind of, with, this is like the, when 1991, yeah. where Rave just became Blew up. massive. Yeah. I mean, the top 10 was just so, full of, you know, it's Shades of Rhythm at number one, mm. you know, Bizarre Inc., it was just shut up and dance got to number one with that raving on raving track. Mm-hmm. And then obviously it had a massive Mark Bowling sample and they just, it was just mad times, man. It's like, and we were just going to free parties and places like Oxford and yeah, great mills warehouse and Stroud. And it's just, yeah, it's pretty were, were there many free parties around Bristol area? Yeah, quite a lot. Yeah. yeah. In the kind of Southwest and, um, there's things in Port Reed. So yeah. like that. it's crazy, man. Um, that was just a case of, turning up and just waiting around trying to get on the decks yeah and then you'd be like, like waiting for like three hours and then easy groove would just come in and just smash you out of the way and jump on <laughs> and hit you in the face and <laughs> so yeah you had that like crazy gangster element going on as well well it was always like a little bit embedded in the underground in like the like yeah. the drug dealers yes. all, all yeah. ran it. i mean it all evolved into crack as well didn't it really i think that's when the, that's when it started to get a bit menacing see, and yeah, you could yeah. really hear, hear like the change in the music as well yeah it, so, <coughs> bless your it became quite dark side and i'm it was that was either like maybe a come down of the euphoria, euphoria of like 91 and 92 yeah but the music just suddenly in 1993 it like with reinforced records and moving shadow mm. it got really really like trippy and dark and i loved it at the time you yeah. know like top bars basement records that was a fine example of the darkness have you checked much old basement records stuff no i haven't man i need to like turn you on to yeah please do because it was all it was this guy called jack smooth ron wells okay. is his name he's still doing stuff at the moment yeah he looks like their producer it was all four four right yeah um so it's like four four kick drum with brakes in the back just kind of rolling along but loads of really nice like sort of washy pads and mm. some really good like techie kind of stabs mm. very distinctive sound and this was like jungle techno okay so this is in between yeah, like the yeah, yeah. thing and heading towards house and techno kind of thing and mm. it was it was a really unique like time man i'll, I'll have to send you some links to stuff so was that there. it was that past the ecstasy time and yeah this is where the ecstasy thing was just maybe starting to saturate a bit yeah and the the collective come down was maybe but it's still euphoria going on but there's the dark side coming in a little bit and crack was crack was getting involved yeah and that was jungle man like when it when crack really came in it was just like oh yeah i mean it got really Mm. fucking dodge this is where um my journey veered into meeting nick warren and this is the beginning of west um and 
yeah, it was like a big change, really. It was like 93, and you were either going in that direction or this house seemed suddenly started to seem like so much nicer. You yeah. know, you go to house clubs, and it's just, it just felt safe. Do you know what I mean? And well, the, just, the jungle and the drum and bass scene, for me, has always had the darker side to it. Always. Like, yeah. especially yeah. growing, because I'm, I'm like 10 years later from you. So, yes. gr- so growing up, like a ra- with and having to go to drum and bass parties because all my mates go to drum and bass uh, parties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was always like, yeah, a bit more chavvy, a like bit, a yeah, lot man. more chavvy, really. And that was a, annoying growing up with that. Actually, I'm, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, and it <laughs> was your heyday of like. Yeah, it was. It was, and that there's one of the reasons why I didn't wasn't into it because I'm like, yeah, you get that, yeah. It was like every MC trying to out MC everybody else, and it was just like not that. It wasn't for me at all. Yeah. I can feel that, mate. I can feel that. Yeah, that must have been a bit of a... I bet you were glad when you found something <laughs> that came along that was much more of a street. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Definitely. What, what were you playing then at first then? What what really turned you on that really sort of la- you latched onto? Um, at the time? Soulful House, like Frankie Knuckles. Yeah, right, that was... I hated. Yeah, that was like... <laughs> class, classic Defected was like right. what yeah. I started playing. Got it, got it. Okay. The first like the first dance record was like scooter right it was like hard hard style like oh my God, brother yeah. bought like dance 95 it was like a dance mania 95 cd yeah, yeah. this is dance 95 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like scooter move your ass and yeah, shit yeah. like that um but faithless faithless yeah. was huge is huge in my life like they were yeah faithless chemical brothers faithless fat boy slim <laughs> I'm jumping forward a little bit, but we toured with Faithless in 2004. Really? It was way out west. Yeah, it was wicked, man. For two months, we did one month in Australia and one month in America. Amazing. Wait, how... Sorry, no, the American one was, wasn't with Faithless. It was just way out west on the tour. How, how was yeah, that? Really was cool, man. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, we were like the support acts, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I remember the last the last night of the tour, Um, I think it was Max's birthday or something. Yeah. Or it might be Nick's birthday, actually. But we were um, all in like one hotel room, just carrying and stuff like that, and um, it all got a little bit messy. And um, <laughs> guys would do truth or dare stuff. And my dare was I had to streak, run down the corridor of the hotel um, with nothing but one sock on my right foot. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, so and I fa- and it was recorded. And I found the old video, the tape, yeah, was, like, the candy cams. I found it the other day. No was, way. Like, Thinking, I was thinking as well, did this actually happen or was it just a weird memory that I've created? Yeah. Like, you know, just being a complete nutter and it did. And it's like, yeah, you can hear all the faithless backing singers laughing and stuff like that. And That's so good. Can, oh, what's that? <laughs> Not putting that on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, faithless for me. I, I went to the, uh, when I think I was 12 when I went to see them first. Yeah, man. Maxie's Maybe, voice. Very good. Maxie's just a G, man. I'd love to meet him as well. He seems like just such as like chilled out Budabri kind of. I don't think know, he's that well. I, I heard the other day. I don't think he's that well. No. Yeah. I've, I heard, I could be wrong, but somebody told me the other day that he's not doing too well, which isn't good, but he's right. got to be kicking on. I mean, it's just the bliss. He's not that young as well. No, I mean, they're, yeah. all, they're all in their sixties. Yeah. Everyone like, you know, that even like Pete Tong, you know, Westwood. Yeah. Can't, can't talk about Westwood now, mate. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, Carl Cox, you know, the Ox at Rocks, they're all, everyone's yeah. in their 60s. I saw, I, I played Movement a couple of weekends ago, and 
yeah, like, just it, yeah. amazing man amazing it's the first time i played but i've been going for like years yeah man. um but i saw a picture of jeff mills and i was like damn you're an old he's an old man and like was he there though is he actually yeah yeah he played yeah he closed like, out but i remember him yeah how's he doing is he still amazing music. Yeah, yeah it's amazing i love jeff mills that's that's fucking amazing yeah. jeff I mills and carl craig sorry like, he was, saw him at the case years ago yeah. like and he's playing like two minutes of each record just yeah. like smash you know, yeah chucking it over his shoulder mm-hmm. putting another one yeah incredible man yeah it's fucking How, amazing. Was, was he good though did he look well and stuff like that he like, looks old and i don't mean really? this in a horrible yeah. way like i and i don't want anyone to be like offended by this but like He's an old man and it's, it's actually like kind of, it made me realize like it's, it's, we're coming to that time where house music has been born yeah, and in like the eighties and now it's almost had one life cycle, hasn't it? Almost. We're nearly at like, like obviously we've, we've lost a lot of people in house music already, but yeah. due to old age now now it's like the old age is kind of going to be happening in the next 10 15 years and you're like it's scary it is really weird dude yeah but but it also yeah. makes it realize how young house music is yeah completely because you look at all jazz and stuff and you think of most jazz musicians as old, old. guys on front covers of albums yeah. you know or all the funk guys you know mm. Because you know all these old like records, but then then if you think about it, like how young music actually is, not not mm. music, but like recorded music, like Aretha uh, Franklin, right? Like she yeah, yeah. she died a few years ago, but like how old was how old was like she's been doing it for years, and mm. like, I don't know when the first recording was. Actual meet of going into a studio, they used to cut directly to vinyl, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the band would go in or the singer, and it would be like literally mm. the delays was there, it's yeah, weird, isn't it? So, and you know, just, so you know, Jack White, yeah, yeah. Um, have, <laughs> yeah, have you been to any of his record shops called Third Man Records? No, so actually, Jack White, you're talking about, sorry, it, which Jack White is this? Jack White from the White Stripes. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. I thought, yeah, yeah. I thought so he has he has a record label called Third Man Records, and oh, yeah, he cool. has a, two record shops: one in Nashville, one in Detroit. Okay. And the, his one in Detroit has a record pressing plant behind the shop, so <laughs> so you can go into the shop and watch all of the records being pressed. It's fucking amazing, and they do this live series where yeah. they have a band on stage, and then they record it directly to vinyl. I reckon- yeah, it's a needle. Yeah. That's mad. And it, but it's pretty special that they do that. Yeah, Again. yeah. That's such, a, that's such an original way of working, isn't it? Yeah, because you can't go back on it. You can't go back on it. And You've got to get it right, yeah. Mm. I mean, if you want to do another lacquer afterwards, it's going to cost about 100 more quid. But it's to, a, it's to a live studio. It's to a live audience. So it's just like, it's straight yeah, it's up. Double live, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, properly. Yeah, I love it. Um, that's, that's what musicians are good at, you know? But yeah. <laughs> Yes, I guess I guess we're just in such a young industry. Yeah, that's but that's that's nice, isn't it? Really? Yeah, special. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's what kind of you know we're lucky, mate. We're lucky that so lucky. Kind of things like this actually happen. You know, you look at the world in general, and yeah. you know, there's many. I'd say probably more of planet Earth people have not got created industries that are based on 
you know, pleasure and uh, yeah. stimulation of hearing. I mean, this is, you know, you know, you can have a bad day and anything, actually. <laughs> yeah. We're yeah. so lucky, man. We're so lucky. And to be fair, like, if you think of how many people in electronic music, yeah. dance music, how many people are actually doing it as a career? Mad. It's mental. Yeah. I like, mean, it's very, very unusual, especially in this, you know, people coming through now to actually just not have a job, to mm. be doing it only the only thing. Yeah. That makes makes a double lucky <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's crazy it's, it's, have you always done music as a career or have you had other jobs um, apart from working in a record shop no yeah. i've been quite fortunate actually wow it's amazing so, yes yeah, weird actually if you think about it but um i think it's just not having a plan b yeah in some ways and i remember like cause I, I dropped out of a levels at school did like one year and then left and my dad was like that's a really bad move you better be <laughs> making some money within a year as you're going back into education boy and <laughs> i was like right okay shit but it's just odd man it's just for some reason things have just worked out okay enough to you know keep rolling and you know as i said there have been like there's been down periods and then at the moment it's just you know like Ooh, you say it's yeah. nice maybe it'll go down again but then it'll go up so it's cool man just ride it out isn't it? i guess that's the thing you never know which is kind of the beautiful thing about this industry right yeah man definitely so back to nick warren yes oh god yeah we're 93 now <laughs> 93 we've got fucking 20 years to get to oh god yeah, how long have we got <laughs> <laughs> 30 years actually thinking about it Mental. so yeah so that was interesting it was like um yeah another friend of my dad's basically mm. um was nick and he suggested we work together and um, yeah we like nick came over and he had a sampler as well so mm. i had like one Akai S1000. He had, had one as well. So suddenly we had two Akai S1000s and that gives you like 20 outputs. Yeah. So we had 20 outputs going into a desk instead of 10. So it was like, yeah, we like <laughs> doubled our power, you know, joined forces. And um, it was nice, man. Like he just came in with different style of beat. <clears throat> yeah. He was like, <clears throat> kind of, it was all just like really Balearic stuff, you know, just mm. samples of just a different sound. Because he was really into the Italo house and, mm. Um, you know, a lot of the kind of Spanish stuff and this is, and then progressive house was just coming in like yeah. gorilla records and this, you know, this whole side of things. And it was just, to me, it was so inspiring and it's so, it's such a fresh sound because mm. I've been so in, in, engrossed in like breakbeats yeah. and, um, rave stuff for like the past sort of three years. And, um, it just felt like, um, like a sort of, like an energy shift. It was slower but it felt faster in a weird yeah. way because the grooves just kind of felt like in some ways, if you slow down the BPM, you can get like more, more into in it. it. Yeah. yeah. The 16ths aren't as squashed together. Yeah. So, so it's just, you know, I, I was, I was finding it quite a nice kind of refreshing thing. So I came in, but I came in with my kind of breakbeat head and my rave head and my that kind of soundscape. And yeah. And then Nick comes in with his Balearic thing and but also really into like film soundtracks, mm. you know, He's just like really into. He was a heavy, heavy, heavy crate digger. Okay, amazing, you know. So he yeah, yeah. Rapid collection was just ridiculous, and he'd always be. Cause he was a massive DJ at that point as well, mm. supporting Massive Attack and Resident of Cream, and you know he was like the one, one of the top ten in the in England. He was in yeah. the he was a superstar DJ. Here we go, Johnny yeah. was out there, and he's traveling a shitload, record shopping every weekend in different parts of the world, coming back with the dopest sounds, you know. So it was cool, man, to be collabing. With, with a proper hardcore crate digger, yeah. you know, started to like some delving like that, really. 
and then uh, going from starting out to then having a pretty fucking successful career is way out west. Yeah, we just had some a few events. So Ajari was our first sort of big one, and then the gift is the one that kind of opened doors, I suppose. Yeah. And um, that was top of the pops and all that stuff. What was, what was that? Well, like, <laughs> what what changed in your life though? Like, this is what uh, I wanted. Like, when when that came out, yeah. Like, did you notice a, a complete change from like was it day and night? Not, um, mate, it's hard. I can't really remember actually. I just was so. When you're 21, your head's just different, yeah. isn't it? And I, I actually, weirdly, I was quite. I felt like. I'd, kind of i just felt like it was what was meant to happen for yeah. some reason because if you're making music all day every day i was just so trapped in this world of what was going on mm. it wasn't like wow this has happened because i knew the music was pretty dope yeah uh, we you know with nick on my side we were and pete tong was pushing it and we were on the deconstruction records so yeah. it was just a lot of things like positively yeah. affirming what we were doing 21's so, young yeah, yeah, and it's quite a young to get super young, <laughs> quite a young. So can't talk properly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was it was quite mad, man. To suddenly be on top of the pops at like twenty one ish. No, was it? Wait a minute. Oh, I can't remember. It was bef- it was below thirty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but if you Sorry. think about it, like that was the amazing thing about British culture and British music. Then is that you could be on top of the pops with an yeah, un- with an underground record, really. Yeah. Completely, yeah. It was, um, I mean, I'd actually, well, I was really inspired by like some chords I heard. Of, there's a club, do you remember a club called, have you ever heard of Rage? No, not Rage, it was in Shepton, in Milton Keynes. Okay. What was a famous rave club in Milton Keynes? Was that Rage or was that I can't a London? Remember. I don't but think I was around. Fabio and Groove Rider were playing, and there's this one track that just stuck in my mind. Like the chords were mm. the same chords from the gift. Yeah. So it's actually plagiarism like and we have obviously <laughs> paid royalties but like, <laughs> one day i'm gonna use those chords and it's fucking identical it's the same four chords with like a little plinky piano like, yeah like yeah sneaky <laughs> like, oh, well. i didn't tell anyone at the time but did have to declare it so, um, <laughs> yeah, so don't, don't don't riff off of a rave that's it crazy days man yeah man <laughs> but yeah i mean i suppose the big change that happened that sort of like just in a practical sense was that I was making more money because yeah. we started offered loads and loads and loads of remixes. Yeah. Like more than I could handle. So was so, was was that then when you were like, were you gigging more as well as way out west? Not um I was DJing a bit. Nick yeah. was DJing all the time. He was like every weekend. So was he uh, just going out as way out west or was he going out as Nick Warren? Always on his own, he's always DJing on his own name. Okay. So yeah, it's Nick Warren. So so Nick was doing that. I was starting so around ninety five this is when it was all sort of like 96 was when the gift came out and stuff. Um, I was really into techno at this time, like mm. IQ records, um, an English hard house kind of sound, yeah. like hard hands. And I didn't like like handbag housey stuff at all. Mm. I was definitely into the higher BPM kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so when I was DJing, that's, that was kind of stuff I was playing, you know, yeah. like spending spend dates, early stuff. And yeah, yeah. That. So started first um, America shows started to come through then. Mm. So, I had like an agent in New York. They had like Carl Cox in the books at that time. It was yeah. quite mad with hands on deck. Okay. So that was like, I was, I, so I got into the American scene really quite early, early. on. Yeah. Super early. Um, yeah. And, um, I played at Twilight when it's still open. Wow. So that, uh, so that was probably one of my first gigs in the States and 10, 15, Folsom in San yeah. Fran. Still going. There. It is, isn't it? It's yeah, mental, isn't it? Still going. 
bars in Washington. Um, played there for like the millennium. That's mm. quite sad. So yeah, I was I was kind of really lucky to start getting international gigs. And I remember chatting to Nick around that time, and we were talking about playing in America. And we, we were saying to each other, "Yeah, let's just make the most of this because you know soon they'll realise that they don't have to book internationals; they can yeah. get their own DJs." <laughs> so at that point, we're like, "Yeah, wow, that might happen at some point." But at the moment, you know, we're loving it. Make the most of it. <laughs> So, you know, that that was really interesting, man, just suddenly getting gigs abroad. What was it like yeah. traveling back then? Yeah, it's so different. You yeah. know, there was, I don't think there was laptops, was there? No. I don't think there was the internet. The internet was like 97 or something, 95. Yeah, um, yeah but I like can't... the internet wasn't really anything until like 2000s. No, it wasn't, was it? Yeah. Traveling was odd. I, do you know, the weird thing is I can't actually remember a single flight. Really? Nothing in my memory. And obviously they were shit because you'd just be on the plane and there'd be Nothing. one screen up yeah. there. I probably had a middle seat, you know, it was like, <laughs> um, just wasn't used to it at all. Probably had a headache. <laughs> you know, it's crazy, man. Yeah, so that's I had mad. discovered like, you know, the joys of red wine and flying and feeling mellow. You know, <laughs> got my head into the right mindset. But um, yeah, but then again, it was really exciting. So it was also, it was just new, wasn't it? Mm. So it felt like it was just, kind of it was just like kind of an adventure i suppose totally and it's, it was, it's what you always wanted to do right and i think for me is like i don't know if you can relate but when you start touring and yeah. you start doing something that you've always wanted to do and realistically never thought it could happen yeah. and yeah. then it, it happens really, yeah it's mad isn't it? yeah and you're like fuck it happened that's quite interesting man when when it actually becomes reliable as well and mm. not just you know, saying, oh, I've blagged another gig. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Was, I'm sure that's what it must be like for pretty much everyone. It's like, yeah, I've got a gig. And then the gig's over, oh, no, hopefully I'll get another gig. And, you know. And well, it's, it just... it's the little wins, isn't it? When you're yeah. when you're first starting, it's like, and you sit, like, it's it's cringeworthy at the time, but, like, it's always a little win to you. Is it? Like, when, when your track charts on some shit, Download yeah. chart, download site, and you're like, oh my god, yeah, yes, little victories, isn't it? It's yeah. little victories, and it blows your mind because it's mm. like, wait a minute, you know, I never thought, you know, this this, this has actually happened. This yeah, real. yeah, it's yeah. pretty mental. Yeah. It's mental. I think that's when you know it, there comes points in. I don't know for you, but for me, like, there comes points where sometimes I have to like sit back and be like. Jesus Christ, I still can't believe I'm doing this. Yeah, pinch yourself moments, yeah. Because yeah. it's I like... It's a really big gig sometimes as well, mm. where it's just like, you know, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> just, you know, give yourself a little nip. Yeah, it's mental. Like, yeah, like, you know, like things like, first time you do Mirage in Brooklyn, things like that. It's yeah. just like, what? <laughs> yeah, they're <laughs> mad. They're mad. So who yeah. who did you remix as Way Out West? Way Out West, God. Well, actually, let's have a little thing. I actually had to... You make some notes. No, I'm just um googling myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So that's sort of, um Art of Noise, Sasha, and people, Real to Real, Faithless, Dubstar, Saint Etienne, Express Two, Freak Power, Ronnie Size, Your Paul Van Dyke, Natalie, and Rulia, Opus Three, Orbital, Inner City. Good life. <laughs> that was um, cute. Good nice. Coaching I... Yes, so it's been, That's just a few of them. That's amazing. So it was, yeah, it was busy, man. It was busy times, man. I had, Kevin, I had Kevin Saunderson on the podcast. A couple I, watched weeks ago. I watched that one. Yeah. yeah. And then I felt guilty because we were one of the many people that remixed his track. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite, quite proud of the remix. It was full on breakbeats, though. Like, if you ever check our remix of Good Life, it's like, yeah, just, well, yeah, it was that kind of highly melodic breaks thing. Yeah. 
No, I, I, those were the remix days were good days. I was actually talking to my parents about it last night. Yeah, and right. our remixes were literally the, the kind of ran the industry for a, for a period. Yeah, um, and where as artists you could actually earn really fucking good money from it. It was really weird, man, because the, the budgets were just huge with the, mm. with the record labels. You know, um, have you seen what's that film again? Kill Your Friends. No, Go I haven't on, seen that. Um, you're not okay. It's based on. It's like the kind of the music scene in a certain point in time that was like um, where, you know, where the budgets were really hefty. And, yeah. you know, like, so A&R were just given, for every record that did well, there's loads that didn't do well. And the yeah, ones yeah. that did do well funded everything. Yeah, funded all these. Yeah. But, you know, but there was just all this money being chucked around for remixes. <laughs> and it's still but, the case. Yeah, I mean, it's still, it can still be. But busy. like not in different situations right like there's like all the major record labels have yeah one artist that's bankrolling the whole fucking label completely like yeah completely so and that can be you know which is quite a nice thing in a way (laughs) yeah it's pretty pretty mad pretty mad so then going from way out west days to jody wistanoff days yeah actually there's one thing that's really funny that's Suddenly remembers I got to tell you about. Um, this is the way out west days, and I still feel really bad about this. So, yeah. <laughs> is this your apology for it? Yeah, this is an official, official apology. apology. Yeah. Um, so we went to have you heard of Box Studios in um in Bath? Yeah. Peter Gabriel's. Yeah. yeah. It, sorry, real real world. Sorry. Yeah, real world. It's in, it's in Box. That's the area. And um, so it beautiful was, um, studios. Yeah, dope, probably amazing. Yeah. So we were basically there was an offer to work with um Bernard Sumner mm-hmm. as in. And um, the band called Electric or Electronic. Mm-hmm. So it's him and Johnny Marr, you know, famous guitar player. Yeah. And um, oh, what's it called again? Not Africa Barbata. Um, Arthur Baker. Okay. Wow. The guy who made Planet Rock. So it's yeah. Arthur Baker as a producer, Johnny Marr is the, and then Bernard is a vocalist. New Order, yeah. And um, I heard the track. Me and Nick went up from my dad. My dad was managing this as well for okay. like this time. So. All three of us there in the studio listening to this track, and I was just shaking my head. Like Bernard's voice was, I just thought it was so shit. <laughs> and like, because I was never really into New Order. Like, obviously, I'm fully aware of Blue Monday being you yeah. know, little fantastic and stuff, but I just couldn't revive on his voice. Mm. <laughs> I just sat there just shaking my head and just like super posh studio, like, and it's Arthur Baker, Johnny Marr, like, was from Smiths or something, like one of the best guitar players in the world, you know, and he was there. And Bernard was there, and Nick was just looking at me like, have I fucking lost my mind? <laughs> I was just saying, no, can't work with this. <laughs> and then it was so fucking, and I was just, that was when my head was a bit odd, I think. Like, yeah. I was just, just weird, like, vibes. What do you think that was? Was that more, was, was that like ego, I, pe- the ego period? I was just inundated with un- remix offers, you know, and like mm. just other things I thought sounded better. Like, mm. I think I was remixing Outlander Vamp. Do you remember that? No, I don't. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I never finished anyway for some reason. <laughs> I think <laughs> I went to Dastardy instead. Just and had them. But there's so many, like, good offers that I just yeah. I just didn't like the sound of his voice. Mm. And then we had to go for a walk in the woods and talk about it. And <laughs> it's so odd, man. And Nick was just like, I, think he's, I don't think he's ever forgiven me. <laughs> just for the actual kudos of working with them and I think it was a co-production offer you know and I was like no so Jesus <sighs> boy I know we've but all had it a bit out of key though so this is before well at the end of the day like if you're not feeling it you're not feeling it yeah I know mate. but you know made up for it like um, 
Trevor Horn from Art of Noise. Like yeah. he came down to the studio. That was a nice vibe. Yeah. He was a lovely bloke as well. So he was really sweet. Did you ever work in real world? Like do do any production stuff in there or were you just no, listening? No, just it was just there. Just that was listening. where they were doing the um they they were working there. Yeah. So. I, I really want to do something in that studio. It looks amazing. Yeah, right. Good place for like tracking worldly sound that's that's like literally my goal one day is to build a studio like that it's so nice wouldn't it you need peter gabriel money though i mean you need a sledgehammer don't you (laughs) you need a fuck ton of money for that literally i know mate you know it would just be nice to have a room that sounds properly accurate yeah speed it around like the shape of it i've moved the speakers and stuff and suddenly like the low end is odd i'm just i'm finding it really hard to get used to what's going on in this room yeah my this place here, where in in the UK, my studio, it's like, I'm just so used to it, so I know what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, completely, man. Which is, I think that that's one of the main things. Mm. In the like proceeds of the room, but it doesn't matter because your brain, like, recalibrates it. Just gets it. used to it, yeah, yeah. yeah. Perfectly made records. Yeah. I'm liking it. In Detroit, <laughs> my studio, I got a acoustician to, like, do a load of work in it, and... How's that? Is it game changing? But it took me so long to get used to. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Because it might so be like long. technically perfect, but it's just it must it just spins you out. I also don't on. have the right speakers in there. The speakers aren't big enough for the room. Right. Got so it, it's like it. I need to spend a shit ton of money on night on good speakers to then fit the yeah. room. God, the actual size of the room. Yeah. We not just make the room smaller, but like like bass traps and you know like I've, panels we've done a lot of that but it's still like it's quite yeah. a big it's, it's a nice size room but right. realistically the speakers i only use the adam a7s and they're yeah, just man. not powerful enough yeah that's what i we used to have those actually yeah that's solid one of them blue. yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. Still one of them blue how fucking loud yeah. were you playing it i know, I know, I know. oops <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let's let's talk let's talk about yeah, yeah. Jody Wissanoff and how yeah, yeah, that one. kind of happened. Yeah, two thousand and five was when I first made. So this is after the Wet West tour yeah. with things and stuff in America, and then it felt like I wanted a little bit of a break from Wet West. Mm. So chilled for a minute. Two thousand five, Coldrick Hot Girl was the first track I yeah. put out my own name, and um, this is when Beatport just started as well. Mm. Um, and it did. I think it got to number one in Beatport, but that was really easy because I think you know you used to sell like 10, ten copies. People, yeah, but I was happy. About it. I was like, oh, brilliant! I'm number one. <laughs> Love that. So that was quite. That was quite cool, man. So that was like the kickoff of doing my own thing, I suppose. Um, and then when did that Anjuna thing kind of start with you? That, that would have been 2010. So there's, there's like five years in between. Okay. Yeah. But as something really bad happened in between that. Um, I got tinnitus. Okay. Damn. It, at a specific show in like Lithuania, 2006. Mm. Um, and that basically was, that was a bit of a life changer, really. Yeah. Um, it's weird, man. It's just kind of, because I was so used to like, go, basically before that, I didn't have earplugs. Like, mm. do you use earplugs now? I've used earplugs well, since I was 12. Yeah, yeah. Good move, man. Mm. Like, really good moves. I mean, I've used them, every, you know, since since then. Yeah. Since but I do remember going to get them fitted when I was bit around like 21-ish. Yeah. On, what's that street in London? Where, they do them. Um, Harley, Harley, Street. Harley, Harley Street. Yeah. yeah. Went there, had the molds taken. Um, she like put them in, and I just felt really odd. And I was like, mm, okay, so I'll be back and like go and get the cash to pay them. And I just chipped off, but I was like, I never went back, and I regret that to this day. It's like, damn. Yeah. But yeah, the tinnitus thing is a funny one because it's, you know, it's kind of like something that you just 
I don't think it's actually noise damage because it can be really quiet one day mm. and they're really loud the next day. And I think it's more like a nervous system kind of. It scares the shit out of me, mate. Yeah. Well, have you got any at all? I, I, I get it occasionally, but I don't, I, don't, yeah. I don't think it's like, like one day out every like three months, my, one of my ears might just ring. And just I'm, for a little bit or yeah, probably. just for a little bit or for like, that's fine. That's recalibration. That's, okay. that's your inner ear recalibrating itself. Don't okay. worry about that. That's cool. I still shit myself when that happens. Yeah, it's weird. Everything goes quiet, doesn't it, for a minute? And then it goes, you know, it gets... Yeah, and sometimes it lasts a couple of hours. Yeah, man. And it's like, oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah, man. Well, yeah. Hardcore, mate. So I've actually kind of... It's always there a little bit. And I think loads of people, it's always there. And even if you go, like, there's an experiment. If you go into a quiet room, you will hear tinnitus. So it is actually just the sound of the brain. Yeah. And what happens is, what happens is, your brain filters it out because it's completely, it's useless information. Mm. You know what I mean? It's just useless shit. You don't need to hear how your brain's the nervous impulses and yeah, stuff like yeah. that. But noise damage, trauma can trigger that. Can you know? Obviously, you smash a plate, your ears will ring for yeah. a few minutes. But you know, so this something I just remember being at this gig in like 2006 in Lithuania, and it was the loudest ever, <laughs> I've ever heard a system. I was there saying to Lucy, like, this is too much. You know what yeah. I mean? But um, yeah, I think we're like. After just got really pissed, dancing by the speaker for hours, just hammered. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, really got too loose. Next day, I was like, fuck, the ring's still there. And for some reason, just focused on it. And it just, I just went in, basically. Yeah, that's and rough. That, it was just hardcore, mate. It was like, yeah. So that, there was a definitely a bit of a dark time around then. Always the like, acceptance just, of it, right? Yeah, it took a while, man. It, I mean, it affected me for about a year, I'd mm. say, at that point, because mm. I just, my, I just went odd. My brain zoomed into the signal and yeah. it, I just attached a red flag to it. And, you know, I had to deal with that, basically. Yeah. And I think yeah, a lot of rough. people, it's a journey that some people go through. Yeah, I know Psy, um, Shadow Child, has, yeah. has it quite bad as well. Yeah, really? Yeah, man, well, yeah. Like, quite... It's just a reflection of your state. It's, you can use it as a guide to being healthier, though, because mm. it is sound of your nervous system, and it just lets you know if you're pushing it too hard. Mm. So it's That's interesting. Problem. I've never heard that. Yeah, it's... It, if you study like the sort of actual mechanics of it, there's, you know, it's the actual noise damage thing that just makes you not hear as well. But the reason tinnitus becomes feedback loop is all down to the psychology okay. and the fact that you think it's a danger and then your brain picks up on it. So wow. the key is to relax and realize that it's, it's not. not, yeah, it's not a threat. And, but you can't see that overnight. No, it's yeah, like, it's it doesn't just go, it fades. Mm. You know? So is your so, tinnitus better than it was? It's, it was. It took me a few years for it to chill, and then I had like a really long period of it not mattering at all. Yeah. Um, I was like helping out loads of people as well because mm. I made it public that I suffered with it. So people would call me up, and I was like therapizing people. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. So that's cool. But yeah, then COVID just fucked it again, basically. Really? And it's it's only just fading now. Ah. I'm just only just having really good days again, where I don't care about it. I think the virus triggered it again or triggered yeah. something in my nervous system so yeah it was so the badness came back man fucker yeah it's so weird it's amazing it's how fu- sensitive our bodies are as well right yeah, and how much weird. we fuck them how much we abuse our bodies and how resilient they are and then one day it's like no it's yeah man. game over yeah. you're not having it isn't it you really gotta just you just gotta be good to yourself yeah how yeah, do you do that with with writing music then because i like to write loud yeah, I, yeah, I don't. I, I write with NS10s basically, yeah. 
a nice reasonable volume and then I pump it up when I'm doing a mix down but then I just really I find if you're working too loud you're just you're not actually you can kind of lose the pot a little bit yeah as what's you get vibe but I find it really hard to mix loud you've got to go from loud to quiet and stuff like yeah, that yeah so, yeah totally you know but um yeah it's just kind of you know it all depends what stage of the writing you're dealing with mm. i think the one thing you gotta be careful of is headphones loud that's that's yeah. more of a danger than speakers loud yeah so i think that's the amazing thing about these noise cancelling things now is that the reason why i used to have headphones super loud is because everything outside yeah. was so yeah. loud Where, whereas with noise cancelling like i literally have my like if i'm listening to a podcast i literally have my headphones on like one click up Mad, isn't it? Yeah, because yeah. I don't need it that loud, and I think it's really important that because there's how many times you've been on a bus or on a plane or somewhere in public and you can hear somebody else's like music and you're like, you're fucking yeah. your ears. Yeah, it is mental. Yeah, yeah. that's definitely causes fuel issues. It's not good. Not good at all. Yeah. Okay, so from <laughs> five five years of 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 yeah. um, Jody Wistonoff and then and Juno yeah. and then it gets yeah. to where and you're Juno, at. Like, when did that? I'd say 2010 yeah. was the first a track called Lasso. I yeah. think that James signed to one of the Andrew Deep two or three, Andrew mm. and Deep two or three, yeah. like the conversations. Then 2013 is when they asked if I could come and have a meeting with them to discuss mm. possibly being more involved. Yeah. As you know, the year before that, I, I, put, I did the album with them, I think, Charles mm. and Lace. I think that's 2012. Okay. Um, so that's cool. You know, just. Blah, blah, blah. Alan McGrath was like the guy I was working with Ben. Yeah. For like, you know, A and R and stuff like that. It's quite funny how they work they go from like A and R to artist management yeah. to blah, blah, blah. I mean they all then someone else comes in, does that bit, and then they go, yeah, oh, goes, blah, blah, blah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, man. But yeah, and then 2013 was when yeah, I sort of joined forces in a more, you know, kind of involved way, really. Mm. Um, yeah, I went up to the office, had a chat. And yeah, James was like, you know, do you want to mix deep and June deep five with me? He was like, Yeah, cool. So that's dope. And then still doing them. That's number 13 now. So that's mental. It's... Every year I'm like, you know, we finish one and James is like, right. So yeah, let's back on with the next one. I'm like, great. <laughs> Chill Winston. You know I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's amazing how powerful that label is. Crazy, man. It's changed so much as well. We couldn't, there was no, like, we couldn't get any shows at first mm. when, I, when we first got out like deep five, deep six. Mm. Like, there was just it was impossible to book tours. There was just no interest at yeah. all. Mad. And then you look at what's going on now. It's bizarre, man. It's mental. Yeah. It's like, and Juno's, I'd say one of the biggest labels in the world. Yeah. It's wild, isn't it? It's <laughs> really, it's really just fascinating. I think it's because it's like a two pond attack. It's all the trance fans and then all the house guys as well. And then everything in between. Yeah. But I think so. it's also, a, it's just consistency, right? But it's a lot of records. They put out one a week. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's wild. And pretty much, it's almost like um, when, you know, when I used to buy the RS records, mm. it was like my favorite label back in the day. You could almost just buy it without listening to it because yeah. you were, you knew um, what you were going to get. In the brand and, and you trusted that AR to be only putting out good things. Yeah. But I suppose, yeah, so I think there's a degree of, of you know, trust in mm. what's being delivered i suppose no i love that i love that and i they they are very 
consistent with what they yeah. with what they put out it's yeah some of it's frighteningly good <laughs> yeah it's and what they've done like with like some artists if you know what i mean yeah. and how they've like grown artists out of out of it obviously you've been part of the furniture for years there yeah, yeah. Um, people like Lane 8 and stuff like that. Lane 8, Ben, ben Bomber. Ben Bomber. Yeah. I think my video one. is about one second. Let me switch videos because my Thank camera you. has just dropped a bomb. Um, there we go. Oh, I've, I've got the new Mac and the the, the, um, the new Mac is... How is it? It's fucking amazing. And yeah. this is the new camera. The M1 ones, yeah? Yeah. And the camera's really good on it. It, good, it looks pretty good. Um, Mate, I was going to get the new one. Um, I think just before the end of the tax year, like I paid, I bought one. Yeah. Like, and then, but the money didn't actually go through, so it was like, wait a minute, because so I did it as a tax write-off. And then I was like, wait a minute, it hasn't actually happened. So <laughs> I packed it off like last week, so I was like, yeah, money's just about to go. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. I paid for it already. Now nah, fuck it. So. But my one at the moment is still rocking. I can't be able to install all the new shit. Well, they, well, that's the thing is I bought mine in March. Yeah. But when you, it, I didn't get it till um, last week. Yeah, we're, yeah. Oh, I'm quite jealous, actually. But they've here. just announced a new one this yesterday. They always do that. They always do that. As soon as you get one, they announce a new one. They've like, just announced can, a new one. Yeah, but there'll be problems with the new one. And like, it's only now that a lot of the software will work on the one yeah. you've got. Yeah, yeah. So, Cutting edge is always a bleeding edge, isn't it? Yeah, no, I should agree. never have the latest when it's just come out because nothing will work on it. Wise <laughs> words from Jody Wiston off right there. Wise right words. Cutting <laughs> edge is always a so. Edge. So, what have you got coming up? What have you got being planned at the moment? God, mm. just the rest of the year. I just booked every weekend basically, Sick. so I, just, I don't feel the need to put out any music because there's no point. <laughs> it, too many is that literally where you're at? Yeah, yeah, and I'm working on loads and loads of stuff. Like mm. I'm, I'm working on new. Wet West album, yeah. Oh, um, sick! This is always, yeah. So, this is tracks, you know, we're just pottering on, you know, building things up, and then just got loads of my own ideas on the go. Um, how, how does that feel not having any pressure to do anything? Yeah, like it's mad to not have to put out an album to get a tour off the back of it. Mm. This is really weird mm. to actually, but you know, it's just, it's just really nice having an agent who knows what they're doing, who knows it. yeah, it, man. yeah. It's like you can just relax and make music with no pressure of schedule. Even though that I do have to get another record done, and there is, you know, as I said, there's loads going on. There is, you know, I am working on an album. There's remixes I'm doing. We're working on Deep Fourteen at the moment as yeah. well, so building up the box you, for that. So, do you prefer working on like an album rather than singles? Um, it's yes, definitely, mm. yeah, yeah. I don't like just putting out random singles. Really, yeah. I'd rather do an album and then release singles from it. Yeah. Because I don't know, it just feels like a bit more substantial. Mm, that's so cool. it's just the way it just always seems to have happened, really. Love it, love it, man. Um, but Dude. yeah, I just like to work. It's unlike you, you you're, you seem to be someone who can work on a track and make it and follow it through. You know, I'm just the opposite. I just need to have loads that I can just dip in and out of. Yeah, no, I'm I'm it's very 10 much minutes, that for ten minutes. That's just where. I'm, it's always been yeah i'm very much like write a record and finish it and then move on to the next but i'm trying to i'm trying to change how i work i'll tell you what though i think the reason that that's what it used to be like for us because you had to be because it was on the mixing desk Mm. so you couldn't work on two tracks at once yeah it would be all the settings would be on the desk and so if you work so if you work on something else you completely fuck up the track yeah yeah 
you know, you got to start from scratch. Mm. Like we never had the luxury of being able to jump around, so we had to. Therefore, that's why I love how it is now. Yeah, I'm. But I'm because you never had to work like that. That's why you are working like that. Yeah, it it's weird. Yeah, I, I think also I'm trying to give myself time to write to spend longer on tracks rather than just finish them off and like yeah. actually try and redo them and like re- make them as good as I possibly can rather than just like writing a record it's done bin it off or like yeah, yeah, release yeah. it or whatever so yeah, yeah. it's a process yeah man how long how many years have you actually been making music then I started actually. writing records when I was 15 yeah wicked that's good so you've, you've you know you've got a lot of experience done it for a while well. yeah but I, I still I, at this moment in time I feel like I've I'm I'm I've lost like a massive amount of confidence what? into like um, where I wanna like I, I know what I wanna write but I just can't do it. I'm just not giving myself enough time to like go and make it. Tricky one, isn't it? Because you know, your tour schedule is insane as yeah. well. So, yeah. It'll well, get so there. It's, you know, you can't complain. No. You know? And, I, you know, I just wanna make I, I just wanna make really fucking great music and yeah, i want to make really fucking great music yeah but it, for me i'm like this always the want to make better music yeah. no i think everyone's like that really because yeah. if, if you if you think you've made the best track you're ever going to make you're then, fucked yeah you're completely bugger yeah you? it's game over you but... find that a lot of time you're making the track and you're just trying to there's not something you're copying but there's something you've been really inspired by mm. and that's like so for me cold drink hot girl was me trying to make body language yeah by my, so that was the template for that. Even okay. Nothing like it. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, you know, it's kind of quite often there'll be something that is just so inspiring and mm. like different that you just want to try to not better it, but sort of mimic it a bit. And then you end up doing something, do something anyway, completely but, different. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting stuff, man. Amazing dude. Um, we've just yeah. done an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah. Wicked. Really nice chat. Let's wrap this up. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for coming on, man. It's been yeah, a pleasure. Yeah. I've, been, I've been loving watching your, your chats with people as well. And I think it's a really nice way you've done it, where you just do it every single week. And I think it's a brilliant thing to start during um, lockdown as well. Thanks, man. It's, no, it's, I re- it kept people sane, I think, and, you know, like communicating with each other. So, yeah. Thanks, man. I, I really appreciate it, especially coming from you. Like, I, I've loved your stuff over the years and I've loved what you've done for the industry. It's, it's been amazing. And to see somebody have a career as long as you have and keep going and keep growing is pretty special it is uh, yeah it's nice man it's, if, if people look at that and think it, that's something that happens and can happen yeah. then it's like i think it's just inspiring isn't it yeah i love Rather it it's chilling down so yeah man and we should it'd be good to actually see you in the flesh as well yeah let's but, let's do dinner yeah, um i'm back up, will we, at one point like we yeah I'm back in this. I'm pretty much back all summer until August. Um, okay. So the next couple of weeks I'm not, but then I'm back every week during, and then I'm off every weekend. So yeah, yeah we should definitely catch up. Let's 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 put this now. Let's give some lunch or something. Gosh. Cool, mate. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Yeah, um, yeah no, thank you so much, mate. I loved it. Keep safe. See you soon. Okay, mate. Big Bye. love. Bye, mate. Yeah. And that is a wrap. Big love to Jody for coming on. Love that conversation. Hope you enjoyed it. Please share. Please send it to everybody. Give us some reviews. Give us some comments. Um, It keeps the podcast going. Big love. Keep safe. See you next time. 
With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.